Hey gang, this is Arvin from Spoilers Only, please. Before this episode starts, I just wanted to remind you all to check out our Instagram page, at Spoilers Only, please, and to send us any recommendations or questions to spoilersonlyplease at gmail.com. Enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, welcome back. This is Riley Bradford with the newest episode of Spoilers Only Please. Today we're talking about uh, Watchmen, the director's cut. Let's get to it. Also on the podcast is... Me, Tate Beckerer. Me, Arvin Panayakin. And me, Tyler Chavez. There it is. See, we went out of order that time. It was cool. We, 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 completely but, went but out of we order. didn't overlap. We didn't talk over each other. Yeah, yeah. Good job. Good job, guys. Great job, team. Well, um, so Kim Jong-un, huh? It's wild. Yeah. Could be dead. Could be alive. Those are no. all the say? Unless by the time we post this, people know. True. Well, we're posting it. Uh, we're currently recording this the day before it goes up. Yeah. It's supposed to be. I don't know, but a lot can change. April 26th, 24 hours from now news will break that Kim Jong-un has died. Oh, okay. Well, that's your prediction, so we'll see if you're correct. How about we talk about uh, Watchmen, directed by Zachary Schneider? Zach Let's S- do Oh, uh, Zach Schneider. Zach Schneider, yeah. That's what I meant, Tyler. No, I'm just, like, kind of just thinking about Zach Schneider and just... Tyler, do you want to go first with your thoughts since you sigh? Yeah, what are your since you you think about him so often? And just to be clear, we watched the director's cut of this movie, which adds like twenty more minutes, totaling it like a little over three hours. So this was the longest movie we've watched for the podcast so far. is a is a good time. So, yeah, Tyler, want to start with uh, general thoughts? Yeah. So this was my first time watching the Watchmen film. I have been watching the series and I am familiar with the premise of the books um, and familiar with its plot. So I wasn't going into this totally blind, but I did enjoy it. Like there's my thing with this film is just that there's a lot. There's so much in the director's cut specifically. It clocks in at over three hours. And for me, it's like Snyder just wanted to put so much into this film or he tried to put as much as he could uh specifically plot wise to prove that he knew the book that he knew the series to appease the fans and it's almost just like he's like overcompensating because this film is kind of divisive amongst people between like whether they think Zack Snyder did the Watchmen series right or not um but I can understand why a lot of people don't feel that way and that's not to say i didn't like it i did enjoy it it's just with three hours there's just so much i felt like i was watching a full season's worth of a show in just one sitting yeah that's 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 what it felt like too i mean it's it's three hours long obviously it's the fourth time we've said that but like it it feels like it too and there's parts where this movie drags um one you know, I've seen the, I think the normal version before, honestly, but I didn't really notice anything too new. Um, I think I know which scene it was. Um, there, there's the scene where they're kind of like poking around the night owls, like basement or whatever. 
with like the night vision goggles and oh, stuff. that was a pretty think, unnecessary scene yeah i think that was the added scene because it, it was pretty long too it was like at least 15 minutes um but i'm not sure we might have to look that up see what was added but um i you know it was essentially the same story as before and i have actually read the graphic novel and i've seen the hbo show um which by the way has no connection to the movie i just want to clarify that now it's a sequel to the comic book to the graphic novel so but the movie was an adaptation of the graphic novel and it didn't stick entirely close to the source material but like personally i think it sticks a little closer than most people complain it to not you know um my main issues with the movie were um some of the supporting characters were just garbage actors there was no way around that i just i some of the line reads were just brutal and it's the first movie in a long time where i've just been like literally taken out just from like basically an npc in the background saying something <laughs> who, who was the worst for you dude that little girl um when they were getting onto the ship like they saved the burning building of people and the little girl was like mommy <laughs> is that is that man flying the ship jesus christ and then she was like no honey and then that was it that was it, it. Was like what like i think it was supposed to you know, do kind of what Joss Whedon did with the Avengers films and show, like, on the base ground level, like, what do people, how do, like, the normal population see these heroes when they rescue them? But, like, it was the worst thing that ever happened <laughs> in cinema. Like, it was just the worst. And I, other other people, um, oh, the scene, I watched this with my younger brother, and he was like, what just happened when, um, when the thugs, like, walked up to the newsstand and they were like, oh my gosh, did you hear that Night Owl guy broke Rorschach out of prison? And it's like, yeah, I heard that guy wrote a book. Also, he lives right down the street. And it's like, <laughs> what's happening right now? Like, they were just, it was just exposition, exposition. And then they walked down, to the, down the street. And what I think is one of the coolest scenes in the film is when old the older Night Owl, Hollis, whatever, is fighting them and he's having like flashbacks of the glory days as he's like attempting to not die and then he does i i thought i just really liked that but um that game looks that was like actually, a... that was specifically that was the director's cut that scene's yeah. not in the original oh, oh really oh well yeah. that was definitely worth seeing okay yeah but but one thing about it that i will say one of my favorite parts of this movie having read the graphic novel and you can kind of just tell even if you haven't is like how Zack Snyder, which I think this is the sole reason he was made, he was picked to do this movie because of 300 and stuff, is he can take a frame of a comic book and put it and make it cinematic and keep the an, the original like intent of the image. Like when Rorschach jumps up into the comedian's apartment for the first time and the lightnings in the background, it's like, or the, and the little like caution tape is flying in the wind, like that is a frame from the graphic novel and you can tell. I really that was that was probably that's my favorite part is how it visually adopts the graphic novel. Anyway, I, I avoid my time. <laughs> <laughs> I can go next. Um, I really like the movie. I'm a huge fan of. I like. They, I haven't read the graphic novel, but um, I was a huge fan of the TV show, and I've liked the movie for a very long time. Especially just, 
I think the way both the movie and the series tackle history and sort of like what happens if you change one or two things is just very interesting to me slash, you know, I think this movie specifically is so distinctly like, it just like, there's so many specific images taken from our history and like the way that opening credit sequence even just changes them is just to me the like, longest opening credit sequence of all time yeah it's, a fun it's one. brilliant what a great oh it's what it's a great brilliant and even the music in the film is like all harkening back to that era i mean my one complaint with the movie is that like i don't think he changed it enough i think he you know i know there's the debate about whether it was true to the comic book but i think what the series does that the movie doesn't do as well is speak to the audience at the time like up the audience receiving the movie instead of just trying to please the people who are fans of it um but i still think it does do that a little bit because uh, i think you know the ultimate tension that ozymandias has of like the greater goal good and stuff is something that americans were when was this movie 2008 2009 2009 i think that still was fitting but i wish they had changed it a little bit more because they do change the ending from the comic book and i wish they had made that more relating to the time period yeah, I guess the dropping a giant squid on New York wasn't really um, in the budget or something. Because <laughs> that's what happens in the graphic novel, by the way. Instead of a giant blue energy ball going off, that's the, that, I, I think that was bad. The, the Dragon Ball Z yeah. attack. Spoil, the spoilers. spirit bomb. Oh, yeah. We should start our... We, we need to start every episode with spoilers alert or spoilers. No, I think I think it's better if we don't, just because if they click on a podcast called Spoilers Only, please, and are upset that they got a spoiler, I think that's their fault. They earned it. Yeah. I guess so. I mean, thank you. Spoil one movie to save hundreds of listeners from watching movies. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we did with Hellboy. That's what we did with Hellboy. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Arvin, what did you Um. I loved a lot of the little details in this movie. I like how Rorschach kind of speaks in his shorthand, like journal language, even when he's talking to other people. Oh yeah, like he just leaves out words. Um, <laughs> I also liked how some shots look straight out of a comic book. Um, there were a lot of random details that I think a lot of people wouldn't pick up on. Um, one of my favorites is the interview scene with Ozymandias. There's a photographer in that scene, and that photographer is a real photographer, and that's Annie Leibovitz. She's one of the most famous portrait photographers alive, and they just randomly put her in this movie. And I don't think... Did you see David Bowie in that one? Yeah. Oh, David Bowie and um, Andy Warhol. The Village People? Yeah. Right. That's yeah. He's he, they're in like the background. Yeah, that was yeah. Cool. And also Lee Ayahuasca getting shot in the forehead. <laughs> Which he's still alive right now, and I think there's a quote somewhere from him about his appearance in the movie. Interesting. Is it that he wished he was actually like shot? Like, no. <laughs> Lee Ayahuasca, for those who don't know, was the he was in charge of the Ford company for like years and for decades, uh, and it was like basically like Rockefeller, like discount Rockefeller when it came to wealth. Um, anyway arvin you want to yeah no i just think that adding all these random little details like a photographer who was very popular and i mean she's still popular today but she did most of her important work in the 80s i think those do a really good job of world building and connecting the world of watchmen to our world 
Right. Riley, uh, something I want. Uh, well, oh, this is sorry. great. Riley, you brought up the opening montage, okay. which I thought was interesting because, like, the montage was kind of a perfect example of how I felt, like, related to story because it is very long because it basically gives the entire background exposition to the series. And I, it's very interesting to watch as someone that, like, knows the series, but I feel like it, it's one of the, it's that example of, like, Snyder trying to pay so much attention to the original, like putting in that long, long opening montage, almost to show that like, yes, I know how large the story is. I'll put in all these images that are recognizable. Like I'll show that I'm really faithful to how everything looks. But then I feel like if someone isn't that familiar with the, with the background of the books, they'll then go into the rest of the film and just kind of be confused because we spent like two minutes on this huge opening montage of all these characters. And then a lot of them are just not in the film anymore or not the central focus of the film. So I think like the opening montage, while it's so visually good is kind of like, for me, that's what I thought in terms of like handling too much because it's just, it's, there's so much in it, but I don't know if it's enough for someone that like, like how necessary is that if you're trying to reach the wider audience but then I also think it's just not enough to appease the regular fans because, quite frankly, you can never do that. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you, Tyler. Good. Slightly, because I think um, something. What I really like about the opening montage is that partially because of the length, but also it has again each of these shots. Like some of them include things like the JFK assassination and the famous picture of the flower and the gun. But by showing like these superheroes with them, I feel like it gives the audience the sense of like saying like, okay, here's the new history now these people are just as big, like the moments with these heroes are just as big as these moments. And by grouping them together, you really get a sense of the world and, and like invested um, the whole world is into superhero culture and how like deep they are into the roots of this world. And I think that like, if they'd I, I done say... that later or if they'd done that shorter, you wouldn't have gotten the sense of just like how ingrained it is in everyone else's mind that, you know, superheroes are a thing of the past. Right. I will say one thing that I I did think the JFK thing was a little tasty. <laughs> was it too soon for I you? I mean, no, it, it's just like, like I don't know why we had to see it. I I don't know. It just when I saw it, I was like, oh god, like what, like why? Because it's a real event that yeah. happened, like it's not it, it fictionalizes it by showing that it was the comedian who actually did it, and they never really uh, went into that. I'm assuming that might be. Um, a before Watchmen reference that's for those of you who don't know like Alan Moore who's like a genius comic book writer um the mind behind the killing joke Batman comic one of one of the inspirations for Tim Burton's 1989 Batman movie um and much more background on the Joker and stuff like that and he also wrote Watchmen and um I guess I don't I don't know if he had anything to do with it, but they did a series called Before Watchmen, and I think they did one called Minutemen too about the original Watchmen team. Um, and that's another thing we could talk about later is is how they explain that it was the there was an original team of Watchmen and then it ushered into the '80s with a new team, but the comedian was really the only one that carried over. Anyways, I just. I thought that might be a reference, but I was just like, why do we have to see JFK get shot? Like, it's like, all right. I think part of it, because I, I feel like the comedian must have been the most difficult character to get, like, to just like go about showing. Cause like, 
it's you know it starts with his death and we're supposed to you know when someone dies you like you can you were supposed to see all these characters being emotionally affected by it but he's also just like the worst person yeah ever also it's like informed by his politics they say there's one like storyline where someone says like the comedian he was like basically a nazi and i was like oh and then they kind of never go back to that like he's clearly a horrible person well, that's something I wanted to bring up with a different character. I know Riley and I have had this conversation off podcast, and I'm assuming you wanted to bring this up too. Um, what were like for Arvind and Tyler, and I guess Riley too? What were y'all's thoughts on Rorschach as a character, and also as a narrator of the movie? Because I will say, just going into this, they definitely, I think I've talked to Riley about this. They censored him heavily yeah. for the movie because in the comic he like. Anyway, what did you all think? Like, did you feel for him? Because he's kind of the main character for like forty-five percent of the movie, almost. Like, you see things from his perspective with the whole notebook thing um, at the end when he turns it into the press. But what did you all? Um, well, first, think? I would say I don't think he turned it into the press. He turned it into like a very right-wing magazine, yeah, like right like tabloid mm-hmm. magazine. Right, and that's right, right. his go-to magazine. And I think that says a lot about him, which, you know. Right. I mean, I think I think the character, like the main character is very much, uh, I think there's some some um, writing on this, but I think a lot, like it's basically a political alignment chart come to life between them. But it's also like, you know, none of them are good besides like, you know, Dreisberg and Laurie Blake sort right. of are the more rooting for it. But like, between the comedian Ozymandias, um, Rorschach, and um, Dr. Manhattan, you have just like all these different political perspectives. And mm-hmm. I think what Alan Moore is trying to show is how they're all wrong. But right. we live with Rorschach because he's the most, like, it's so he's wrong based off just like some of the stuff he's like, it's just right. like. Right. And hasn't hasn't the fan base kind of said like, oh, he shouldn't have died. Like, he should have whatever, whatever. And like, Alan Moore has come out and said, no, I wrote him to be horrible. You should not simply... Yeah, he was just like, if I saw Rorschach mm-hmm. on the street, I would run. Yeah. Like, he's not Batman. He's... Riley, I think that's a Batman. great, like, great note, like, Alan Moore's view, because, like, he is an anarchist, so it does make sense with, like, how he views the world and the political system. War, um, Rorschach is not in terms of, like, actual political views or, like, motives, but just in terms of compellingness, he was probably my favorite character in the movie. Also, he's like the best performed in terms of acting. So much so that I think if I were to trim down this movie and script and try to make it a little more like focused, because one thing this movie does, which I think it does well in terms of like how much it's carrying, is it does feel very episodic in parts in that when we are following one character we are really following that character for like 30, 40 minutes, which mm-hmm. is a thing to do. That would, that would be because it's based off the model yeah. of the comics. Um, you can tell when when there's like a beat in the story that it's like, okay. Like I, I, I read the comic forever or the graphic novel forever ago, but like it was released as issues, right? Like, like Watchmen number one, Watchmen number two. I think there's eight um, comics and you can tell when one ends. Like you know when dr manhattan's on mars for the first time like it just holds on the frame and it's like right beat in the story that tells you that anyway, but i was just gonna say like if i were to kind of go to a more cinematic friendly story structure and have it focus in truly on like one or a small handful of characters 
I would have that central character be either Warshak or Dr. Manhattan. Cause I just think they're the most compelling and interesting to watch and have like them be the true narrator and eyes for the audience. But I also do agree that like, you know, they kind of hint at Rorschach and his political views early, like when he's monologuing and he's saying like all these like sinners and whores and he says something are pretty uh, like homophobic, but then like man. they kind of move away yeah. from that later on. So it's something that is very central to his character, which if you listen closely, you'll pick up on it, but it doesn't get carried through the entirety of the film. Yeah, I think I definitely yeah. noticed it more this is the second time I've seen this movie. I think the first time I watched it, I kind of tuned out a lot. I think it was in high school. But watching it again for the second time, I picked up on a lot of the more um, not-so-great things Rorschach has to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, He's a bad dude. Yeah. yeah. When he says, Adrian Veidt, a potential homosexual, needs yeah. more investigators. <laughs> oh, wait a second. <laughs> Hold on. No, no. <laughs> um, but also, he's an interesting character because everybody else in the every other character everyone's in a like a moral gray area you know but he is not he's the only one who is very black and white he's like this is what is right in my eyes and i'm not going to deviate from it and he dies because of that right because i mean you even have dr manhattan who's probably in terms of like trying to figure him out the most compelling and i will say if you are interested by like this is to the listeners if you're interested at all by the um character of dr manhattan um i suggest reading the graphic novel getting a little more uh true to the source uh context and then watching the hbo oh, show the because not only does the hbo show explain his whole situation better than the movie um it just does him more justice and i think um you know, but he exists in this like plane where he interprets time as it like from every moment in his entire life. You know, he's like several places in time at once, and the movie doesn't really explain that well at all. But essentially, it's interesting because he doesn't want to delve into human, like like you know, they're like, oh, all these people around you have had cancer, and it's your fault. And then he's like, oh, okay, I didn't mean to, but like he could fix it, right? Like, he could just get rid of the cancer because he's God, but he doesn't. And I think it puts him in this really interesting spot for the viewer to see where, you know, he could stop everything. But since he was also being like, um, he couldn't see the future because of some machine that um, Adrian Veidt had, had made. those tachyons. Know? Right. Also, by the way, speaking of Adrian Veidt, I just... One thing I really hate about this movie is that they're not like super heroes. Yeah. Um, they're supposed to be normal people like vigilantes like Batman, and they have super strength in this movie. And it I've is, heard like, people talk about that. It's so annoying. It's like just reading the comic and then watching this, it's like, okay, why are they throwing each other across the room and then like getting up when their face smacks a column? Like Hopping, it make hopping sense, back but... to Dr. Manhattan real quick, just because I really love his character. Yeah. And I agree with Tate that the show does a really good job of tackling like that nonlinear look at time. But I do think the director's cut does a lot better than the regular cut in showing and hinting at sort of the pain of like Dr. Manhattan's view of time as a singularity, just because, you know, there's some of these throwaway lines where he's just like, 
he's like, this is my best friend from college. 40 years later, I realized uh, that being around me gave him cancer and stuff like that. And just like, I think that sequence in the film did a good job, but they don't ever dive into it as much. But I think like you get a hint at it. And if, if anyone liked that part, you know, watching the series of Watchmen is a really cool look at just like that. But I think that's a struggle for storytellers like to show, cause we watch things linearly. We can't really watch things as a singularity, like Dr. Manhattan does. Right. Yeah. So um, I guess that's a good look at some of the characters in the movie. Um, I guess worth mentioning and before we move on is, is Night Owl's character. He, you know, is, definitely probably the one you sympathize with the most um like he's obeyed the law when they said like no more superheroes and stuff like that that kind of makes a lot of logical sense but then um in the end when it's like oh we have the decision to tell the entire world the truth that that for those of you who haven't seen the movie and probably won't essentially um it's based during the cold war russia and the united states are about to nuke each other so Adrian Veidt's plan, which is state, like portrayed as an evil plan, but then you realize he has good intentions, but it's still an awful thing he's doing, is he basically nukes New, New York and kills like 15 million people to save the, the, the whole world because nuclear Armageddon would kill everybody. So, you know, you, you have his moral construct that's interesting, but then you have it's like, oh, either you can tell the world that I did this and the entire world goes back to wanting to nuke each other or you could just say nothing and let there be peace on Earth, essentially. I think kind of why Ozymandias frustrates me as like a villain is that because I like the film is very, and I think the story as a whole is very clear that like, listen, you may not agree with Ozymandias, like his method, but it's very good at explaining like why he thinks this is an option to the point where you can understand. And like, I sympathize with his motives, but it frustrates me because Ozymandias, we don't get nearly as much time with as the other Watchmen. Um, And I think that has the unintended consequence of really making him more like the villain because we don't get as much time with him. So we don't not just grow attached, but understand him his backstory, his mentality as much. So when it suddenly comes up that he's the villain um, or supposed to be the villain and he's doing this, it becomes harder for us to see like his perspective because we were not being given his perspective. And Tay, I want, like, does the comic give us a lot more time with Ozymandias? I mean, I, the comic basically, everything in the movie's not as great at, the comic does better. I haven't read it in a long time, so I'm not sure. The show does, um, but this and, and just a reminder: the show is not like has no influence from either Zack Snyder or Alan Moore, as the original creator, uh, Damon Lindelof, one of the writers of Lost, had like full creativity on coming up with the story, and obviously had his help with that. But um, he just kind of runs wild with what would happen uh, decades later after the events of the Watchmen graphic novel. Um, and that story fleshes out the characters much better than the movie does, even though it's not even telling the original story, um, more so reacting to it. But no, I, to answer your question in short, no, I don't think, I mean, it does, it definitely does. And it, 
it just it, it portrays him as that whole sub version of like oh who's killing the watchman who killed the comedian and then they like shock you at the end with that it's, it was him the whole time and stuff and, well i i so would I have to say about ozymandias real quickly i think the reason alan moore if he doesn't touch on it as much in the comic would do that is i think like in keeping with our understanding of the characters ozymandias really represents like you know a very authoritarian look at um doing good and you know if alan moore is an anarchist he's probably not going to sympathize as much with the perspective of you know like what authorities have to do is do modern day trolley problems like every single day. And that's what Ozymandias is doing just based off predictions, not based off fact. I think another thing is um, you're supposed to empathize with the rest of the characters, right? You're supposed to look at, oh, what is he doing here? And you're supposed to see it from Dan's perspective or Lori's perspective or Manhattan's or Rorschach's perspective, right? And I think leaving out Ozymandias' perspective helps you align better with those other characters. So no, because I already you're not supposed it. to see it from um, Ozymandias' point But I have until you're May 14th, I think, um, until my current subscription ends. But no, I will never resubscribe. Um, I think well, we can make it through the series before May 14th. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. But I think I want to read the graphic novel I recommend novel reading first. it. Yeah. And you own it. So I, I don't do know why it. you have it yet. Um, because I don't <laughs> read it. I don't really know how to. That's very oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry, it's okay. Sorry. If one of you wants to read it, to read it you. yeah, I was gonna say if one of you wants to read it to me, that'd be cool. Or um, we could start a new podcast where it's just us reading uh, the Watchmen comic to you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we'll start a new podcast. Read Tyler reads. Man. Tyler, you're oh. you're in charge of that. Cool. So. Um, well, um, I think unless anyone has anything else to say anything on watch but i think it's a good time I have one to thing. go ahead and conclude and i have one thing go ahead go ahead everyone do their things um okay do your things i enjoyed that the nat king cole song unforgettable was featured in this movie twice it's a good song it's a good song go listen oh, to it, it was wasn't it yeah twice <laughs> that's, funny. that's my thing tyler what about you what was your thing my thing is about so there have been attempts to do a watchman film since the 80s and at one point, Terry Gilliam, who is most commonly known from like Monty Python, was set to write and direct it. He thought doing a film for this story was like impossible. And he actually wanted it to be a five to six hour limited series. Um, actually, I did some more research and there's some crazy stuff. Like apparently Robin Williams was interested in playing Warshak and Arnold Schwarzenegger was going to be set to play Mr. Manhattan because it was the 90s. Um but I think that's interesting. Oh my God. We talked about like a little bit about the show and the movie. And I think that's kind of why the show, I think it's just, I think better is because it is able to dedicate more time. So I agree with Terry Gilliam. Um, I think this type of story is best left to a series where you can dedicate more time over multiple episodes. Yeah. I mean, then again, I mean the the this the series has nothing to do with the the source material almost like it has no intentions but it does some crazy stuff with it. I we won't spoil that because that's not what this episode's about and I don't want to spoil it for the other the other members of the podcast who haven't seen it yet but 
it does it it takes some of the source material from the graphic novel that is featured in the movie too briefly and just totally flips it on its head and creates this whole new perspective and narrative for the story it's awesome so perspective is like the key word because it is the world but it's just like it takes the spirit of the original creation and it's just like what happens what would someone want to say in the years you know 2018 2019 2017 it's so cool right riley which do you like more because you really like both of these things the series the movie like on their own again i haven't read the graphic novel i think i'd like to no no i meant the show and the movie oh i meant i i was gonna say i would like the graphic novel um and i like the movie as a movie but i like the show better because i think i like my biggest thing with adaptation is part of it i think you have to be able to like bring in your own perspective and like have a point of view. And I think the show has such a remarkable point of view and is able to like incorporate the same things I liked about the movie with American history and like changing one aspect and seeing how it affects the entire thing and really diving into like the political climate. But it does that for like a time I've been alive for. And I thought that was just incredible. And it's the type of thing where like, if there was plans for Watchmen season two, which there really aren't, um, but if there were plans like post something like coronavirus, those plans would be entirely different because the perspective is so tied to history and like they'd have, they would be revamping because something historical changes that. And I think that's just an amazing thing to do with art. Riley, right. I'm going to say that's a good take. Yes. Good job, Riley. Ooh. Yes. I, like I agree with the that. Tyler seal of approval. Wow. Well, um, I guess we'll do some just final thoughts. I'll try to be brief with mine. Um, I think, I don't know if I like this movie as much as I did the first time. I remember thinking it was like really awesome. And the the rewatch for me years later, probably I watched it probably sophomore year high school or something. I thought it was just a little, a little dry. And I thought there were like a lot of parts that, that, were like they needed more screen time and more context for some of the characters that like I think I think there's some really great scenes I think the action is really cool while almost a little like the violence is oversaturated like I don't have a problem with it but I'm just kind of like like what's the point of them having super strength you know throw Snyder um it's almost like it throws you off from like the humanity of the characters which I think is what Watchmen is supposed to be about um, and I think that, you know, making them all like glamored up and like fancy, like showing like the Batman tech, right? That Zack Schneider is clearly very passionate about considering he went on to ruin Batman almost, <laughs> but that's a story for another day. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I thought it was really dry at parts. Um, there were parts where I almost just got on my phone because I was just like, this is, this is just so slow. Um, and it is three hours long. The director's cut, maybe, maybe the um, the theatrical cut is better. I haven't seen that in forever, but I really did like that. Um, the death of the older night owl scene. Like I thought that was really cool. Although the predecessing scene was very cringy. So th- <laughs> those are my final thoughts. I'd, I'd say I'd give this like a 6.5, maybe maybe seven if I'm being generous, which is what I had given it before out of 10 solid i'd say seven out of ten i think it's a great movie 
um, it satisfies a comic book itch, you know, but it's pretty gratuitous in everything that it does. Like everything it does is taken to an extreme. And sometimes it's fine, but sometimes it's like, no, no, we didn't need to see that at all. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't talk about the blue penis at all. There was a lot. Oh, no. It's so, it's there. Good Dom. (laughs) I I have to agree that I'd also give the movie 7 out of 10, just because I think there are elements in this movie that I absolutely love, but I think, like, it takes three hours for them to string them all together, and it, like you guys were saying, there's a lot of times where it's just like, okay, yeah, we get it. You're really driving the point home here. The sex scene that lasts the entire length of the song hallelujah also is just in just a little commercial for me it was a cool cover though a great cover a great cover yeah um i'm gonna say seven out of ten too i love alternative fiction i think this is a movie that's really cool to talk about i just think it's trying to cover so much and doesn't do it all as much as it wants to i think if this movie came out now there would have been similar conversations that happened when the Irishman came out, when people said this movie is too long and too dry to sit in one sitting, break it up into episodes, especially because this movie is so episodic. Um, And I also wonder, you know, if this movie came out now, how would it stand up in the post MCU success era? It's almost refreshing to an extent, but I also Kind of like the the boys. I, I I feel like the boys comics were really um, inspired by Watchmen. Um, the boys is a Amazon Prime original show, and it was a comic book series before that. That kind of talks about how like superheroes would abuse their powers in real life if they were real, just like politicians do. And it's all for the image, right? Um, I think Watchmen doesn't really go there, um, but well, a little bit with Adrian Veidt, but like. It's, it's, I don't know. It's definitely, um, I don't know. This is a really topical movie. I'm glad we got to talk about it. Anyway, I think we should move on to what we've been watching this week, this past week. Um, Riley, how about yeah, you Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think on what I have been watching. I, uh, I watched Inception the other day or last night and I just realized you know, just a phenomenal movie. I assume most people who are listening have seen it. I think especially people in our age range all like it was like the movie growing up because it was just so cool. It was like the movie that showed me movies could be cool. And then I've also been trying to watch uh, for the obscure Riley pick of the week, uh, a (laughs) documentary on antidepressants in Japan and how the pharmaceutical companies came in and invented the concept of depression to sell antidepressants uh, in Japanese markets. Uh, so I really enjoyed that. If some obscure stuff sounds obscure, yeah, I'll I'll send it in the chat. It's on canopy. Cool, Cool, thanks. Uh, no, you gotta pirate it. No, don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) We're on a movie podcast. Do it tell them to pirate movies. I said you have to pirate it. I said don't. I didn't say pirate it. I said you have to if you want to see it. Oh my god! Now <laughs> what do you mean? Is it just not available anywhere? Arvin, how about, okay. um, what about you? My suggestion: I recently started watching Brooklyn Nine Nine. To everybody who knows me, 
generally speaking, I hate television, but coronavirus <laughs> has changed me, this whole uh, quarantine thing. So I started Brooklyn Nine-Nine less than a week ago, and I'm 20 episodes in, which for me is a lot. I don't know if that's a lot for other people, but for me, that's quite a lot. Um, that's an easy watch show. I've been meaning yeah, it to is. back into it. I probably dropped off around like season It is two, easy to watch, and it's three. fun. It's fun. It's lighthearted. Yeah. I think everybody could use that right now. Um, so yeah, check out Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, I binge watched the Netflix documentary series Sunderland Till I Die. It's a really cool show about the supporters and the people behind Sunderland Football Club, which is a team in England, um, going through their season being relegated from the top division. It's really cool for like me as a soccer fan because I get a behind the scenes look at like how a, a team operates. But I think it's also really cool for Americans who are sports fans but know very little about soccer, especially in Europe, because you really get to see how the league functions, um, how important this team is to the people in the city. Uh, it's really cool. And I think is a really great way to like humanize sports and take an analysis of why sports means so much to regular people. Um, and I'd recommend it, especially if you're not that familiar with European soccer. And I guess for me, um, I didn't watch a lot this week, but what I've been planning on watching, I guess this is something I can talk about. I've been meaning for a while now, but now I'm like really motivated to, for some reason, to start The Sopranos, to start and finish The Sopranos. I've never seen it. Um, that and then the HBO movies. Um, oh, what's it called? Um, it's the one that, that, that just came out. Bad education. I've been. I I know it dropped like as of recording like yesterday, but um, I've heard it's the best acting of his career, and I love Hugh Jackman, so definitely want to check. Hey, I'll come over and we can watch it. Oh, cool! Yeah, just drive on down. Yeah, still in the coronavirus though. Oh yeah, we're in the coronavirus, Tyler. Well, I was gonna say I'll just watch it. I'll just watch it outside your house on your lawn. Perfect. How do you know I have a lawn, Tyler? You know. Tyler, what are you not telling us? <laughs> I'm just saying, Tate, if you look outside your window right now, you'll see me quickly running down the street. All right. Before Tyler incriminates himself um, for crime, uh, <laughs> I figure we should sign off. Uh, a delightful sign conversation. Uh, I've been Riley Bradford. You have been. You're not anymore because I'm Riley Bradford. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Riley, and I'm Bradford. Riley Bradford. And we're all. And this has been the Riley the Bradford Dear Diary. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Diary, Diary. This is Riley speaking. I'm really glad that all my friends have decided to start doing this bit again. And I'm glad they're taking on my persona on a podcast that stars the four of us because now I'm getting all the attention just at the end of the April 26, 9.30 p.m. Tyler Chavez possibly incriminates himself for trespassing. All right, well, it's it's been fun, boys. But Riley, shut up. Uh, it's been fun, boys. How about we just, uh, we just sign up for now? All right. All right. 
see you guys. It's been a great week. Follow us on Instagram. Email us any recommendations. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Always. You can never stop. Yeah. If your time is worth saving, then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone. Or the times they are a change.